You are listening to Cry Out, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. Greetings. It is good to be with you today. Uh, welcome to Faith on 68. I am Pastor Bay. Uh, and today we are in the second week of a new series called Cry Out, a series where we are looking at what it means to lament about what it means to actually own some of the harder emotions that we face as people, as men and women of God, and just people within a a broken planet and a broken system. So uh, that being said, we're going to jump right in. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles or an applicable app on your smartphones or tablets uh, as we turn to John 20, verse 24 to 29. And today's scripture is also on the screen for your convenience. Where do we see this? One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them. Place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before... Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, as I was preparing, um, you know, this sermon, sometimes I'll stay up late. And, you know, there's this funny thing that takes place when you stay up later than you should. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you start getting bombarded with infomercials. Anyone? Anyone get bombarded with infomercials late at night? I have come to understand that infomercials are actually the work of the devil. They're evil. Um, They really are. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. They are all bad. If you really needed this stuff, it would come on during primetime TV. Like during America's Got Talent, you would see it. And most of these things, do we really need this poor guy's pillow? There's this man who, who claims that he has worked for years, working hard, diligently developing the perfect pillow. It's not just any pillow. It's called my pillow, right? A pillow shouldn't need an infomercial. For years, people have just rolled up coats and slept on them in a pinch. You don't need an infomercial for a pillow, okay? And I don't think we need to take this guy's pillow. He needs it himself. And then there's the cooking people. Anyone who has watched any infomercials has has seen the cooking people where they cook all of this stuff in the same device. It's this one, like, perfect the world is going to solve world hunger device. Um, and, and it would probably break the moment you watched it to tell you the truth. But they're sitting here cooking like eight course meals. And it's probably too good to be true. You think it really tastes that good without any oil? It is probably too good to be true. But if you order now, you'll get not one, not two, but three perfect cookers. <laughs> you want to know why? Because they figure if they send you three of them, one of them's probably going to work. Okay, they don't tell you that. But one of them is probably at least going to work. Now, we've heard this saying before, it is too good to be true. And I was taught growing up, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? A friend trying to sell you their Buick, right? They say, yeah, it's got a little bit of rust on it. It's got a little bit of rust, but this is actually a time machine left over from a movie at the end of the Cold War. 
Okay? They went with the DeLorean, but this Buick is just as good. Probably too good to be true. Don't buy the Buick. Um, Some of you who are like in school, you know, like a super hot guy comes up and says, I love you. I don't know why. I never noticed you before. Um, You know, you're beautiful. I love you. I don't know. Can you do my homework? Probably too good to be true. They probably just want you to do their homework. So watch out there. Um, How about once you take this pill, the weight will just pour right off of you. Probably too good to be true. Are there any other skeptics in the house? Anyone? I hear laughter. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes there are things that are too good to be true. Some things that you experience are too good to be true. Today's scripture shows us what it means to be a skeptic. Many of us have heard of Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas was negative Nancy's brother, a pretty famous guy. Doubting Thomas refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. All the other disciples, they were good to go but not Thomas. Now, before you get too hard on poor Thomas, imagine seeing an infomercial. This will bring you back from the dead. You're probably not going to buy it. No matter how many Ginsu knives they throw in, you're probably not going to buy that. It just sounds too good to be true. Now, sometimes we get desperate. This whole series is about what it means to lament And when we are in the thick of lamenting, especially lamenting the loss of life, the loss of a loved one, we would do just about anything to get them back. As silly as it may sound, even purchasing some crazy late night infomercial gadget or or elixir, we would do just about anything. But there there comes a point where we eventually just own our lament. (laughs) There's no possible way. They are gone. We will never see them again. And as Christians... We're taught that heaven awaits. We have heaven. And heaven is uh, thought of by some as some super religious prize. Like, yeah, life might suck at times, but one day there's going to be streets of gold. There's going to be this, that, and a crystal sea and free Wi-Fi. (laughs) Heaven. First off, I want you to know that we will experience heaven one day, but it's going to be far beyond anything that we can imagine. Anything that we can imagine. Heaven, I mean, heaven is what it means to truly live, to live eternally in community and relationship with God. I'd say that's what it means to truly live, right? That's heaven. So I want you to know heaven is real. Heaven does await. But I also want you to know that you can experience life here on earth, too. What I mean by this is you don't have to wait for heaven because if it is truly eternity, eternity doesn't begin after you die. Eternity doesn't begin after you die. If it did, it wouldn't be eternity. It wouldn't be eternity. You see, eternity is an all-encompassing concept of time. And so I might get a little heady here, and if I do, I apologize. But basically, there's two schools of thought. One is that eternity is an all-encompassing, boundless, um, a boundless existence of all time. And then another thought is that it's a boundless existence of no time. Both could be true depending on your interpretation. Now, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? You see, I like to think of eternity as being all time. Most Christians do because that means what we do on earth, it does matter. This this timeline that we find ourselves in is just a part of all time, a part of the eternity. And though we can define time here on earth and we can explain time as being part of all time, 
A part of eternity is, sorry if I confuse you. We could also argue that it is a part of nothing. It is a, a part of no time. There are people who think this. You see, for some, the concept of eternity is too good to be true for being all time. And if that comes to happen for you, then your existence, is it meaningless? It brings these questions up because the time that we spend on this planet, if eternity doesn't exist and this all time is actually part of no time, then what we're doing right now is a part of no time. It doesn't matter because there is no eternity. Some believe not in God, but that all things just keep recycling. There's a physical concept of time. There's a finite time. Time that we can wrap our heads around where, um, you know, there's reincarnation. Things just keep going. You have physical. So you have, uh, you know, you have the things that are growing. You have uh, things that are breaking down. Things that are experiencing oxidization, uh, melting away. Where the Bible says life is but a vapor or a flower in the field here and then quickly vanishes. An eternity based on finite time. I don't want. I don't want a time based on just little snippets. I want all time. It's hard to wrap my head around it, but I want an eternity that I can't understand. Not one that I do. Most of us are actually like this. You may look confused. Most of us are like this. We don't desire neat and tidy explanations all the time. Part of what makes a magic trick a magic trick is the fact that you don't fully understand why it works. There's something about it where it, it seems to go against the laws of reality. That's what we want when we think of eternity with God. We don't want something that we can just understand and easily define and point to. No. We want to be amazed. And the reason that we lament is because we're not yet amazed in that way. So we lament because we are still in the thick of things. The world is still keeping us down. It's hard to be amazed when you feel like chicken little with the sky falling down around you. This is what it means to lament. We doubt. Just like Thomas. Sometimes when we are just full out lamenting, crying out to God and hearing no answer, what do we do? We doubt. Doubt sneaks in. We doubt God, which leads us to doubt the promise of eternity, which has always kept us going. Really doubting that, you know, we can experience real life now. Which, if this is all time, makes us doubt. Can we experience real life after doubt? Doubt is heavy. To doubt God is to question the promises of God. And if one is false, then that leads us to believe that the other is too. And we doubt sometimes. I want to let you know today that our scripture is letting us know today in no uncertain terms that in Christ there is room for doubt. There is room for doubt. It's hard to understand, but Christ understands what we are going through. And so at the tomb of Lazarus, we are told in one of the shortest verses in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Two words. In other words, Jesus was overcome with loss. So Jesus was at a loss for words. Jesus wept. Not sniffled, not wiped a solitary tear from his eye. Jesus wept. He broke down and wept. Jesus knows what we're going through. 
when we lose loved ones, when, when our heart is breaking for the loss of other, for, for what others are experiencing, Jesus weeps. As part of the grieving process that, that Jesus shared with us right there, and those two little words that weren't even spoken, Jesus wept. We see in today's scripture that Thomas was also experiencing loss of a loved one. Thomas lost Jesus. He was upset. Very upset. Questioning everything. The other disciple said he's alive and Thomas put his guard up. That was part of Thomas's grieving process. Thomas said too good to be true. Thomas doubted. Thomas says, I want to touch the wounds. Show me Jesus. Don't just tell me. Show me. Let me examine him and I will maybe believe you because right now the grief is too much for your fairy tale of hope. Thomas doubted. And I watch these shows with my wife sometimes. They're police shows, the, the, the crime investigation shows, all that. And when there's a victim, there's a body, they, they pull in someone who is close. They pull in a family member, uh, the wife or the husband or the daughter or the son, and they, they bring them in, someone who knew them well, so that they can identify the body. It's painful, but it has to be done. And I love this passage of Scripture because look what Jesus does. Thomas wants to be the one to identify the body, even though the other disciples already have. Thomas needs to see for himself. Thomas needs to be the one to identify the body. And Jesus invites Thomas into this room for doubt. To examine Jesus to find out firsthand if he is who he says he is. So who the disciples say that he is. He said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. If that's what it takes, do it and believe. Thomas was given room for doubt. Jesus invited him into that room for doubt. Didn't look down upon him or judge him harshly for it. He invited it. Because Jesus wept. And Jesus knew what it would take for Thomas in his grieving process. Because Jesus knows what it means to grieve. Knows that everyone approaches grief in a different way. For some, just hearing is enough. Others need to see. Others... Even when they see, they still can't believe it. It's too good to be true. They have to touch. However you grieve or come to believe what may seem too good to be true, I want you to know that Jesus welcomes you into that room of doubt, that room for doubt. There is room in the Christian faith for doubt. And you may say this goes against Christianity, a room for doubt. This is apologetics in a nutshell. And I pointed to Andrew not, just because I thought back to a passion team. And he's like, I'd love to hear us like, have a group on apologetics where we kind of go a little deeper. Apologetics is a word that means defending your faith. And this is, at its heart, a room for doubt is apologetics. The more you enter this room for doubt, the more Jesus will continue to show you the reality of your faith. At the heart of apologetics... That's where this is. The more that you have gone through and explored your doubt, the more you'll be able to defend your faith. 
So don't feel like because you are doubting uh, or because you're in the midst of lamenting that you are in some way less of a Christian. It's not true. The disciples of Jesus doubted and Jesus invited them to explore those doubts. How can God allow this to happen? Say, Jesus, show me your wounds. How is there so much evil taking place in the world? Say, Jesus, let me touch the wounds. Sometimes we get angry at God. Sometimes we forget that some things in this world just happen. They do. Earthquakes, floods, fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, natural disasters. They just happen. I remember the scripture. Someone said, well, who's at fault for this person being blind? Is it them or is it their father or their parents? Why are they blind? Whose sins made them blind? And Jesus said, it's not because of any of their sins. It's so that God may be glorified on this day. Some things just happen, but it can bring God glory. But it's hard. We get angry. Next week, we're looking at this. I want to smash things. That's the name of the sermon next week. But today I want to leave you with this gift that Jesus Christ offered Thomas all those years ago and still offers to each of us. I want to leave you with a room for doubt. A room for doubt because it's okay. Christ welcomes us to explore the wounds of our salvation so that we too may say, my Lord and my God. So that we may be amazed So that we may say, yes, it is too good to be true, but it's real. It's okay to doubt. In conclusion, though, don't seclude yourself in your doubt. Surrounding yourselves with loved ones. Surround yourself with those who have gone through a similar form of lamenting. Surround yourself with other believers so that you may encourage one another, help one another uh, through the grieving process. And yes, so that when you are at a loss of words, you may weep together. Because though there is room for doubt, you were created to experience the life that exists beyond that room. You were made to spend eternity with God. And thanks be to God that you don't have to wait until after you die because God is here even in your time of lament, even in your room for death. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for the way that you come alongside us, that sometimes even when words can't do, you, you weep. Father, we pray that you will Weep with us. Allow us the room to explore the wounds of our salvation. To see how with you, even the too good to be true is, it's true. You show us over and over again. Please continue to do that. Rock our world so that we may see the God that we serve. The God who calls us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.